The following podcast contains uncensored coarse language. Listeners are advised that some of the following content may not be appropriate for those under 15 years of age. Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. This is just to let you know that the Cinema Catch-Up Club has an official Patreon page. If you'd like to become an official member of the club and get some bonus goodies, including early access material and bonus features only available to our patrons, then please join up at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. And now, for this week's episode. Hello, welcome to Cinema Ketchup Club. Where the spooks catch up to you. Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club for this spooky Halloween edition. Look at all these non-diegetic sounds that are happening. Uh, Yes, I'm your host Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for joining me on this episode. It's Halloween. We let you, the audience, pick what scary, spooky, Halloween-y movie we're going to watch. And this year you picked The Cabin in the Woods. Joining me as always, we have someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. And our guest who has not seen the film, it's Michael DeGrasser, everybody! Hello. Hello. Yay. Hey, thanks. Hey. Thank you. How you been, Michael? Good. How have you been? I've been well. It's been a while since we've, we've seen you. So for the folks at home, who are you, Michael? Oh, and what do you do? I don't know anymore. I, um... I'm a musician. That's a thing. I'm a business owner. That sounds a bit fancier than it is. Um, I, yeah, I own a music school. I'm a musician. I, yeah, watch cartoons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the, it's the magic trifactor of That's the it. human being that yeah. you are. Yeah. You've not seen the cabin in the woods. No, I've not heard of the cabin in the woods. You've not heard of it. No. Nah, so you know nothing about this film. Nothing about it. Nothing. I can tell you exactly what I think it is. Okay. Late eighties movie. Mm-hmm. John Candy. Mm-hmm. Rents a cabin in the woods. Mm-hmm. Martin Short also rents the same cabin in the woods. They don't realize each other are staying in the same cabin. Mm-hmm. John Candy's put his jacket on the thing, and then Martin Short comes in later and he puts it on. He's like, "This jacket is too big for me," or whatever, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And he doesn't understand why his jacket's suddenly too big, so he swaps it out. Then John Candy comes in. He's like, "Oh, my jacket is," too, and he's too small, and he gets caught up. Things get broken. I'm assuming that's what this is about. Oh, I really hope that's what it is. Um, I, I also haven't seen the film, so uh, guiding us both to the cabin in the woods, it's Brett Cullen, everybody. Hello. Thank how, you for having how you me doing, back. Brett? I've been really busy since the last one I was on, which was Waterworld, mm-hmm. going and watching the Mariner's Cut, which is uh, an extra hour. Uh, how, so, how was that extra hour? Great. Do we have time to do a, just a, <laughs> yes. a Waterworld extended cut podcast? I, uh, we, I will give you exactly one minute now <laughs> um, to, to discuss everything that you found. So whenever you a lot of water around? There's a world of water. Your, big, your minute begins you now. You see it all. Uh, it, to, say, funnily enough, it makes it a better film. There's more world-building stuff in it that works better. I feel like that's the same with a lot of things, like the Lord of the Rings extended cut. Mm. So much better than the cinema release because it made more sense. Like, oh, that's the blue sword. Mate, this is my intro. Do you want to just step off? (laughs) No. Jesus. 
because you've been introduced. You started talking about Waterworld in my house, (laughs) and you expect me to be quiet? That's true. I'll give you the Blu-ray. Yes, I've been good. I've been good. I've been very, very busy um, doing stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Things? You literally had a timer. I on did have a timer thing. going for you. How long was that? Uh, you, you, you didn't even <laughs> no, make thirty seconds. Oh. But you know what? That's an extra thirty seconds you've got for Waterworld. That's content that you anyway, can bank. Yeah. Um, you have seen the cabin in the woods. Oh, so many times. I love it. Um, what what can uh, people like myself and, and Michael expect who haven't seen it? Can we expect oh, okay. jacket hilarity? <laughs> well, I think they probably wish they put the jacket one in. Mm. the The whole conceit of it is that there's a cabin. Yeah. You with me? Yep. It's in the woods, but there's only one cabin. So it's not cabins in the wood. No, it's the cabin. It's the cabin. Yeah. It's the only cabin in existence mm-hmm. that happens to be in the wood. And that's all I'm going to tell you. I don't want to spoil the experience for Is you. it made of wood? I'm not going to tell you. That's a fairly important plot point that sort of rolls out in that third act. <laughs> wow, this sounds so. going to be great. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a big DIY focus that I wasn't expecting. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a stealth Bunnings ad. Horror films are my, my speciality. I have seen many, 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 written many essays about them and done lots of lecturing on them and structural work and all that kind of stuff of what it makes. And this, you'll see why. We'll talk about it afterwards, but you'll see why. I think this, this is a really good one. All right. Well, with all that being said and done, shall we watch the film? Oh, sure. No, I'm going to go. Lecturing. Is that like something you get paid to do? You just talk I used to. to people. I used to. And they went, he's just talking about horror films. Get out. <laughs> For those of you listening at home, pop in your DVDs and make a trip out to the forest as we go to The Cabin in the Woods. back everybody we have just finished watching the cabin in the woods by we i of course mean brad cullen hello and michael degrasse hello there so michael um how how did you find it that was your first time watching Man. it what, what what are your thoughts okay so like i had i had no idea what was going you know i mean i'd lie i obviously obviously knew that it was going to be a i don't know like a horror movie of such mm. and it was not yep mm. that was great there was nothing like every time you said, "Oh, why don't they do?" and then about five seconds later it would happen. Why yeah. don't they do this? Or why don't they do that? And I'm like, "Well, just wait a second. Well, no, I was the, yeah, I was just like, "Well, when the when the trap door opens, don't don't go down there." Mm. They did. Mm-hmm. I told them not to, but they didn't listen. Nope. Yeah. They were under the. There influence. was nothing. It wasn't like it was deliberately unpredictable. Mm. You know, like you like. When they just try to be different to be weird, yeah. it wasn't that at all. There was it was stuff was happening, and it didn't. It's not like it was completely didn't make sense. It all made sense, mm-hmm. but it wasn't predictable. I knew he was going to get done by the merman. Of course, I oh, knew uh, that. St- Steve. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked if he didn't. That was that was like yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. but nothing else. You could sort of go like you knew something was going to happen. Yeah, and you're like all right, he's on the motorbike. He's not going to make it. Mm. Why? That's right. There's a shield around everything. That's the beauty of this film. Yeah. On multiple watching, mm. watches throughout, you can go back and you can pinpoint where they tell you every single thing that's going to happen. Mm. 
Yeah, the, is, the board at the beginning you said. genius mm. because every single thing that happens to each of the characters is really, really clearly telegraphed. So the eagle hitting the shield. You're like, it's telling it, but it's happened so long ago that you forget. Yeah. But it's that beautiful moment of, of a good script when the moment happens and you go, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. And what it does is it makes you feel smart about mm. remembering it, whereas yeah. you haven't really done Yeah, much. it's not just some random thing. It's like, oh, they were asleep. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. like an M. Night Shyamalan film. Yeah. Oh, they were aliens. Yes. So, oh, they're allergic yeah. to water. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, this is my first time watching it as well, and i not normally a massive fan of horror, usually because of the samey-sameness mm-hmm. of a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, this this was great, mm-hmm. uh, but also partly, I guess, because it's it's playing with the, the genre, it's playing it with the tropes. Yeah, and it absolutely wasn't... a postmodern horror film. And it's playing yeah. with them so well. It's, it's so engaging and fun just to, as you say, watch... Those those pieces that they set up in the first half of the film mm. then get deployed with bloody visceral fun mm-hmm. in the second half. Um, like as you said, with uh, Steve, keep saying, "Oh, we never get the merman." <laughs> <laughs> he hit the conch in his hand, and yeah, it's it it is tremendously fun. I mean, the story, such that it is, is that you know, usual uh, five gang of um, mystery solving teens and mm, their yeah. talking dog, it's Evil Dead Scooby Doo. <laughs> yeah, basically the Scooby Gang. They turn up at the cabin, and oh, stuff starts going wrong. But the whole time, it's been being intercut with um, this strange uh, corporate government agency. Mm-hmm. And we focus particularly on the characters of Gary and Steve, played by um, uh, Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wonderfully as well. So good. I mean, I, I, I think Bradley Whitford is absolutely fantastic at yep. playing that one specific character <laughs> yeah. that he always does. Yeah. Yeah. And it's used so well in this film. Um, and just that sort of clandestine environment around... What it turns out is um, essentially a very sophisticated cult sacrificing people to stop the ancient ones from rising. Yeah. I was not anticipating that at all. <laughs> no, no. Um, just, yeah, there was something I was going to say of great importance right then. Mm. It wasn't of great importance, but I thought it was, thought it was apt. It was essentially taking a big list of all the things that bore you or annoy you about horror films. Yeah. That's what it turning was. Turning them around and going, mm. how can we make this interesting? Yeah. Or yeah. even make it make sense. Yeah. And have, because, sorry. No, that's right. Yeah. Like, exactly. Like, what I was thinking was when they go and he's, they're reading the diary and she, she's like, yeah. oh, there's Latin. He's like, don't read the Latin. Don't read that. And we it all, all makes sense that. because we find out later that the weed that he was supposed to be smoking that was all laced, it didn't, he, didn't, he wasn't having it. So yeah. he, was, he was totally free he was totally cognizant of what was going on yeah. whereas everyone else has been dumbed up by hair dye and yeah. fumes and all. so there's on that character note and we might talk about it a bit more later but if you go back at the beginning of the film they're not the archetypal dumb horror characters that they become later yeah mm. they're fitting those archetypes the sculptures on the wall of the yeah. whore and the athlete and the the scholar and the, the dunce the fool mm. um you know thor's character He's he's giving him giving the other lady notes on which book to read on socioeconomic. Yeah, they're different people right at the beginning. Hmm. The 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 yeah. blonde Ditsy, she's pre med. It's mentioned that she's a pre med yeah. student, and you yeah. know, so all of these wonderful little. They, they, it goes by very fast in this film. It's a very Joss Whedon-y, mm. um script where everything's just bang 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 bang. Yeah. But that's why I keep watching it because every time you just t- find this little detail, it might be in the production design, it might be in those 
all those props that were under the in the cellar. Yeah. Each one of those has like a story bible attached to it. What's the monster? What's the history? Mm. What do they look like? Because obviously they had to go to an animation studio and they had to animate it and Yeah. But they're all just very carefully non-copyrighted yes. things. Yeah, yes. like well, like towards the end when we see the re- the reveal of the different creatures, and there mm. is the um, guy with circular saw blade sticking out of his head. Yes, not was, pinhead. Yeah, not pinhead. Um, <laughs> but but very much evoking those. Um, what did you call yeah, him? Tropes. Uh, pinhead light is. Oh no! Oh, sorry, buzz cut. Buzz was cut. The, <laughs> was buzz the cut. Yeah, it wasn't the lament configuration. My it was like only a, thing like the bad stuff sphere. Mm. Yeah, the bad stuff sphere. <laughs> so so that um so nothing in that was like uh, you yeah. know there was no moments of like no oh, come, not a know. clunker in it but hmm. they had the fool's blood because he died remember and no, they pulled the they thing were down like, they were like sacrificial vials uh, okay. so it wasn't their blood it was it was it was well there it you was go. an abstraction you know? okay. it was like a ritualistic yeah and the ancient ones would be like hang on a second Ooh, yeah. but but again yeah. you can go back and watch that when they pull that full lever yeah. earthquake oh. the only time there's a big earthquake this oh, thing, like this absolutely bears repeating because they know that he haven't done it properly. Because the guys like didn't do that right, did yeah. you? But they were like, ah, they're just getting excited down there. The, so the, the, the ancients would have gone, oh, you've done, you haven't done it right. This isn't right. I'm gonna kill you all now. <laughs> but it's it's this wonderful characterization of the corporates being arrogant mm. and and really flippant about this whole thing mm. with those beautiful moments of sincerity, like that first little prayer. You know, we condemn this to your eternal yeah. slumber. Yeah. And then they're having a party while she's getting bashed around on a jetty. Yeah. <laughs> every shot, if you go watch that scene, every single shot yeah. has a screen at least yeah. of her just getting brutalized in the background. <laughs> while they're having a party. And it's this beautiful, again, it's postmodernism, right? Yeah. Like it's taking the familiar and it's twisting it mm. and it's subverting what it is. Like this is actually a movie that does, yeah. uh, subverts your expectations. Mm. And again, seeing this in cinema, and I, I took my wife and she's not into horror at all. She doesn't like it at mm. all. She loved this, mm-hmm. you know, because it is, it is, it's comedy, but it is that perfect traditional comedy tragedy. Mm. It's really well balanced. It's very much, ha- it's like, um, I'm not going to, you know, explain it as something else, but it is that whole Doctor Who or Star Trek mm. kind of show that they've gone, let's do a horror episode. Yep, it's that, it's not a horror. I wouldn't, no. I guess you'd have to call it It's a got horror. a horror wrapping. Yeah, it, yeah, it's like a horrid version of something else. Yeah. It's, so, yeah. Stephen, I have a question for you. Yes. As a non-horror watching person on mm. the whole, yeah, did you enjoy the tropes that they like? You you knew enough about it. Yeah. So so I mean, it, it's more that horror is just not my preference. Mm. Um, I guess it's like when I sit down overnight, I'm more likely to pick something that's probably like a comedy or something. Mm-hmm. Um, Horror, I, I've you know watched a few, some for this podcast, and some of my some some films I've really loved. For example, something like The Thing, John yes. Carpenter's, is which has a nod in this actually in one of the monitors. Oh, where I didn't it's failed. Say. Yeah, it's oh. the campsite. Yeah. Oh, of course, yes, yeah. brilliant. Um, because yeah, so you know when some films like that when they're when they're super well crafted, I can really get into. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would agree to an extent that this isn't a horror film. Mm. I think this is more. Again, genre titles are a bit amorphous, but I would say this is almost more of a thriller mystery or mystery thriller. I'm not sure which mm-hmm. way around you put that. It's mm. it's certainly using horror motifs, and there's yeah. very classic um, 
use of music you know the, the violin strings are getting faster and louder when yeah, you get to, and trumpets not a huge amount of jump scares which nope. um i sort of always i always think a jump scare is a measure of how good or bad a horror film mm. is if there's lots of jump scares it's it's not great yeah. there are jump scares in there but yeah. they're telegraphed they're jump scares again this is this beautiful perspective thing that it does because there's a bunch of viewpoints here. We've got the viewpoints of the of the the kids, mm. even though they're all like late twenties, whatever. Then the viewpoint of the corporates, mm-hmm. of the rituals. Then you've got the viewpoint of the audience as well, and that's what gives it that postmodern layer. Because, so for instance, the sex scene, right? Mm. The staple of all of the slasher horror films from the eighties all the way up, right? Yeah. Mm. And of course, you know, the, the girl dies first, you know, don't have sex or you'll die. That was the lesson that came from the 80s horror films, mm. you know, Jason and, and even Elm Street, all that kind of stuff. Um, what you've got is these three perspectives working beautifully, just dipping in and out of what they're offering you. Because mm. what the film does is set up the cabin world and the corporate world really, really separately. So, yeah. of course, what does it do in the third act? It merges those two. Mm. Yeah. And it's just a beautifully done thing. But to go back to it, the jump scares, they happen, but they're jump scares for the characters. They're not jump scares for us. Yeah. I, so we know that she's going to die. Yeah. But it's she a jump doesn't. scare when that happens. The same thing yeah. when Marty discovers the camera in his bedroom. And it, you hear in the corporate world, I think it's uh, Greg basically, or Gary basically saying, um, oh, don't worry. One of the uh, Cajun zombies or whatever yeah. they are is going to get him. Yeah. And then, yeah, 30 seconds later, he's stood by the window going, I'm on reality TV. Yeah. Smash. And we know it's coming. It's yeah. that Hitchcockian thing of it's suspense versus horror. And a lot of good horror films use suspense. So the thing uses suspense. Mm. The blood testing scene, yes. all suspense. It's we all... know a result is coming, mm. but we can't tell what's what. Yeah. Whereas when you open a cupboard and a cat goes, and there's a musical sting, mm. that's not, that's a scare. That'll pump your adrenaline up, but mm. it's not dread. Yeah. And I think the, the best horror films like The Thing and yeah. recently Hereditary which don't see if you don't want to feel bad. Okay. But um, it's a creeping sense of powerlessness. Mm. Feel bad as in like for the pe- the innocent people No, just die. about reality. Ah. It's a full-on double-barreled horror film that's really about a family breaking down mm-hmm. amongst other stuff. But that's what I love about this is that it is such a glossy kind of... Yeah. It is like a sitcom kind of thing, right? But you've got yeah. this R-rated heavy gore and that kind of stuff. It's... Mm. Uh, as a horror film uh, mm. buff that I've I've been I've watched hundreds all of them bad good yeah mm. other languages whatever I loved this film because <gasps> I can not, pinpoint not, yeah. it's it's yeah. je ne parle de la goule yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, où est la mon frère où est mon frère <gasps> je ne sais pas un chien <laughs> je ne parle de la lupine wolf <laughs> la chaîne de noir There there is so many layers to this. It had to have been made by like Drew Goddard, the production team, Joss Whedon, everyone that's made this. Mm -hmm. Like loved horror to the point where Mm. surgically you can pull it apart and go, okay, we need this Mm. moment. We need that moment. We need that moment. Mm. It has to happen in this order. So the Harbinger, Harbinger, the the scary yokel guy at the petrol station. Yeah. yeah. You think you were saying, you're like, ugh. I was like, wait. Because he's a plant. What was I saying? Oh, you were like, oh, stupid hillbilly scary man. Just turn around. And of course, they don't. Well, I don't remember that. You said it. Did I? I was listening. I was listening very carefully. Yeah. Did I, what did he do? He's the, the guy at the petrol station that, that tried to warn them and say, don't go to the Buckner's place. And Yeah, because when he whore. turned up, first thing I said is, uh, you know, oh, Nelson's cabin or whatever it's called. It's mm. like, 
oh, you don't want to be going there, so you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Like yeah. it's that's again a yeah. trope which they play into. Yeah. I really like that yes, they then the whole, did bring him back yeah. on with the speakerphone <laughs> conversation, giving this this massively you know heavy duty pathos speech about the end of the. Am I on speakerphone? <laughs> no, that no, is no, no, no. so rude. Yeah, no, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. It's that like, happens yeah. a lot in that. Like someone's conversation just gets. Um, I I am so bad with people's names. The guy, the, you know, the guy in the thing who got killed by the merman. Oh, uh, that was Steve. So when he's talking about something very serious, and then Tequila shows up, oh, yeah. yes, doesn't even finish his sentence. No, they did that a lot in that. That was cute. that's a Joss Whedonism. That okay, one. yeah, I know not undercutting Whedon. Go watch like Avengers is a great big example of that. Of like I've heard of moment. that. That's with um, Thor guy. That's with Thor guy. Yeah. Oh, Speaking that's of why. Thor guy, yeah. um, this this was actually filmed a couple of years before it was released. It was about two thousand nine, I believe. Yeah. It was being yeah. filmed and mm-hmm. then wasn't released it for a couple was of years. Put on the shelf. Um, but he, you, you watching this, you're like, oh yeah, no, you can totally see why he um, he has ended up becoming such a mm-hmm. big, reputable Hollywood film star because yeah. he he's really good. And like the character that he's playing, it's very easy. Uh, this uh, Kurt, um, mm. this you know the jock, mm. you know you, you can look the part, that's fine. But it's not often in these films that Kurt is is great like that mm. sort of character Close is clotheslining the little girl as he runs inside <laughs> yeah it's such a beautiful little moment like he doesn't there's a moment where he hesitates when she's getting killed and then like punches but they're just just the clothesline you see this girl just ass over there. yeah it's amazing but it's really lovely seeing him in this um and seeing where it's like no this totally makes sense why he went on and was ended yeah. up being thor and ended up yeah, doing all these things because he... chekhov's dirt bike speech yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. coming back with police and big guns yeah, he's. But it's an interesting, again, an interesting take on that character, and I really loved the very specific trope they picked up on was that we should stick together. And yep. you see Steve in the control room, like, "What are we gonna do?" <laughs> uh, and then, Psst, yeah, the gas yeah. where he goes, "No, we should split up." Yeah, this doesn't feel right. And the yeah. other guy's just like, "Yeah, yeah, right." And, and goes, it's great because what? it, no, it, it like what it does, and this is the thing that I love the most about this film, amongst many, many things, it retroactively informs every single horror film that's come before it. Yeah. So it sets every other horror film up, Evil Dead and Nightmare on Elm Street and all of those things as being part of this ritualistic sacrifice thing. Yeah. So right. you could it basically encloses every horror film ever so those, into the one world. Yeah, so those shots of all the other things that had failed. Mm. So you said there was a thing from The Thing. Is that it's the only one? It's not labelled because you would have to... Yeah, yeah. But there's like a King Kong monster with big horns. But okay, it's very so clearly a King Kong monster. Yeah. There's, it's very much a take on the sort of Ringo style Japanese the, yeah, horror. Yeah, that's, I assume that. I, I, yeah. Mm, but there's, yeah. A, there's a snowy, a wrecked snowy base that looks yeah. very much like the Norwegian camp from, okay, from right. the thing. Yeah. But there's all sorts. Of, so the board, so the list of monsters. Yes. That's another rewatch thing that you go through because yeah. there are so many on there and you see every single one of them in the third act. Yeah. Including mm-hmm. Unicorn. Yes. yes, unicorn stabbing was wonderful. Um, and yeah. then, the, did you hear the little string motif that came with yes. it? Yes. Beautiful, magical little... Bring. Yeah. It was just all these little things. And, and looking at the horror tropes of it, you can try and match them up with the non-copyright version in this yeah. one. Yeah. So you got like the masked and killers from the intruders, and you've mm. got your zombie standard. Yeah. The clown. The clown, Just a generic yeah. clown. Not Pennywise. Yeah. Not dollar dumb. Dollar dumb. That, was it that? Or yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> Huh? <laughs> that chapter two. Yeah, his balloons blue. Yeah, that's weird. Oh, very different. <laughs> yeah, and and the beautiful, beautiful mermaid. I mean, yeah. let, that, that merman example because it was it was something that even watching it for the first time, I was like, 
the merman's got to make an appearance because mm. they keep mentioning it. Mm-hmm. And then when he does, and he's this disgusting blobfish dolphin thing <laughs> that when he eats Steve's head, then the blood comes out the blowhole. That is high comedy as far as I'm concerned. That it's was amazing. Genius. The payoff for that is so satisfying. <laughs> and and particularly Steve there just lying there like, oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, everyone gets their comeuppance. That's... They do. I think I think one of the great things about this film is that it, it really feels like it's fun, which I think is a key thing with with horror, I, I think, in some respects, is that a lot of the time you can watch horror and get the sense that maybe this wasn't necessarily a fun thing to be a part of. Mm. Whereas as much as horror is about scaring and about playing on fear and tension, I think it also helps if it looks as though that the people who are all involved are having a good time to an yeah. extent um yeah. because you, you know you hear stories about other horror films which have been put on which have had really terrible productions around them like i just go back yeah. to the evil dead the very original yep. one yep. just because more just the conditions in which they yep. were filming that was covered was... in flies from the fake blood and yeah. scratches and mm-hmm. yeah i mean i've been in some things where i've been covered in blood and makeup and dirt and stuff it's not fun because mm. you see two minutes of it on the screen but you are there for days just covered in crap and it has to be touched up all the time and you're mm. always sticky and you have to wear clothes that have been dressed in blood. It's not fun. Mm. But if you're having fun on mm. set, if the people are enjoyable and that, it's, it makes it so much easier. But there was underwater scenes in this. Like all those things are so hard to deal with. Mm. And when you're on a horror film and you're dealing with, you know, nasty stuff, it can be really rough. But yeah. that's the thing is that <laughs> none of the characters know they're in a horror film until no. right at the very end because mm. how can you predict because yeah. like he says oh, I'm on a reality TV show because of course you find weird stuff's happening and you find a yeah. camera like of course it's going to be reality TV so I was kind of thinking fucked. after he's like oh, I'm on a reality TV show when he gets dragged outside and you see the, the weapon mm. and he like extends his thing I just kind of thought maybe he would look at that and go oh yeah that's good. I like that. I thought that was going to happen. Yeah. Mm. Then he gets stabbed in the Like back. in Lano and Woodley. I thought about Lano and Woodley a lot during this. I really? don't know why. Well, I do. I'll explain why. <laughs> hey, do that now on podcast. Yeah, that'd be great. In podcast form. Do what? Tell us now on a podcast. I will. Mm. That's what I'm about and to do. three, two, one, go. Tell you about Lano and Woodley. Yeah. Yeah, so they're... Okay, so next subject. <laughs> the... Um, the that happens in they think that there's a stalker or something and they, they think it's a, a Halloween oh, yeah, thing yeah, yeah, yeah. and he stabs him and he goes ha oh wow well, how did you get the knife to retract but it's actually a real knife and he's like oh and you've got the blood there try it again stabs him again oh yeah so what did you do there <laughs> and I also was thinking about I think it was Woodley in the same one like reaching around on the to get a weapon hmm. and he's got his hands on a knife and he fumbles yes, with that yeah, and he yeah, goes yeah. to the next ends up with a sheet of paper or something <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what maybe I think it's because it was just that again it was like it's an episode of a show that's yeah. done a horror thing yeah. that's what yeah that's yeah. great and that's the thing is you, most good horror films take a core premise that's not horror and lay a horror onto it hmm. so you know Romero and his zombie films are all about consumerism and the changing sort of capitalist focus of the 80s and the response to all that. And then you've got something like The Thing that's all about isolation and trust and what the human mind does in that isolation. Mm. And Alien is all about fear of the other, mm. you know, and, and that body horror of being invaded and having no, no control over it. Yeah. So horror itself is never really the horrible thing. It's the idea. It's, it's the ideas, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's why the films that you see, like Jaws is a perfect example. You know, the, the famous story of the budget's not great so the shit the, the shark looks kind of not great mm. so you don't see it very much but that Wait. makes the shark so much more scary that's not a real shark 
No, they trained one, yeah. but it died. Oh, okay, yeah. But that was this is pre-Peter. Yeah, about no, they were like the like the horse in Neverending Story. Just exactly, it's yeah. fine. Well, yeah. There's more horses. Yeah, please don't <laughs> sue us. Um, Event Horizon is another one of my favourites because of that, that was, reason. Yeah, that was good. Another reason of it just being inscrutable but purposely so like we don't know where these gods came from we just get the story of the perspective of of characters which is we have to do this thing it's in this order in this way and it has been since oh I remember when you just throw a girl on a volcano yeah yeah Mm. and so it does it ties all these beautiful historical moments of Yep, we're going to sacrifice people on top of the temples in in the May with the May. And obviously, the do you think the gods are watching? Is that why it's all being filmed? Because the yeah. gods, so the gods just want entertainment as well. Pretty much. So they're bored of people being thrown into a volcano. So yeah, do the thinking. gods have a TV? They must do. And well, they're evil. I think they're probably omniscient in some kind. I of... suppose. I, I mean, one of the things that I do want to touch on though is the ending. Mm. So Marty isn't dead. And that's nope. a problem. Yep. And they end up getting to this final situation where it seems all sort of semi Director shows up. Director shows up, played by yeah, Sigourney Weaver. Um, basically just, you know, something that Paul would rip off a couple of years later. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah almost exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've got um, her there basically explaining why Marty has to die mm. um, because he's the fool. And um, Dana almost His does reaction. it. She's yeah. just like... What? <laughs> yeah, and the, yeah, and then Dana almost uh, shoots him, but she gets bit by the werewolf. They have a fight. The knife girl turns up. It ultimately ends up with them not sacrificing Marty and the world ending, mm-hmm. or at the very least, the uh, evil gods awakening. Yeah, the, mm. the the arm of the ancient one coming through, smashing through the cabin, grabbing the camera, and that's the end of the film. Mm. I honestly was a little bit disappointed by that because I thought that when Marty kicked Zombie Girl and Sigourney Weaver into the pit. Mm-hmm they were going to take the place of what would have been himself and Dana. One of them being the fool and one of them being the virgin. See, I kind of thought that too, but then I thought they were actually a group of five people. Mm, that they were linked. There was, yeah, and that's mm. why it had to be them. I suppose. That's, yeah. 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 I, when I saw that, I thought the opposite. I'm like, oh, God's not going to like that. Mm. It's like, you know, ordering something off a menu and you get your meal, but you also just get like some poo on the side. Like, I didn't order that. And they're like, well, that's what's there to eat. But from a God's perspective. Mm. Yeah, that was quite a rot. Oh, you mean like the green stuff they put on the top of pasta to make it look nice? Mold? No, parsley. Parmesan. Pasta. Green green parmesan. Green cheese. That's mold. Green cheese. That's mold. (laughs) The point is is that the ancient one is very much someone that would complain to the manager. Absolutely. Uh, What I was disappointed with was that it was just like a lava hand. I wanted something a little bit more eldritch and... Yeah, I mean, I would have been happy to not see anything. Yeah, because he was kind of hinting at that. He's like, "Oh, I wish we got to see them." Mm. And I would have been happy if you didn't. Like, God damn it! But that's good. Yeah, I, I almost, I would say that they didn't have that. Yeah, because the CG is not great on it. Mm. Um, Yeah, that's the other thing. This film is so much practical stuff. Yeah, you've got a few things that are full CG, which is like the snake, the eagle, um, the the (laughs) eagle. Yeah, that eagle was not comped in well, and the bat dragon. So that was one of the ones on the board. That's what crashed through the little booth mm. that they were in, Bat, Bat Dragon. Um, I think I've got a spell in my... To get rid of those Bat Dragons. Yeah, uh, mm. yeah. Was that? Oh, D&D spellbook cards. Yeah. Oh, there's nothing there. You just put it in a bag of holding. <laughs> um, the So much practical effects. The werewolf's practical. You've got the the prosthetic face mask, the little ballerina. Mm. That was there, but they animated some of the teeth yep. to make it a bit more... Like Just the artistry in this mm. film. I just love it. Just the mm. passion in all of those little facets. 
But yeah, on the DVD extras, it goes into all of the different monsters. You can look it up on the net. So why are they in a um, like a, a caged sort of area, like a digitally caged area? Well, Is like that... they say, they have to make the choice. So whatever choice they make, they have to have that monster on hand to go zhuk, zhuk, and bring it up. No, sorry. I mean, like where the, what the eagle crashed into. Like, why is it all... It's just To contain it. To contain it. Well, it's, yeah. if, if it's contained, it's controlled. You can control all yeah. the variables in there, right? I suppose. Everything's fake, you know? They brought yeah. the lights up in the forest so they can go... Yeah, they lay on the true. moss. Yeah, yeah true. Because she said, oh, it's too dark. So they went, well, yeah, well, it's, well, well, it's too yeah. cold. Let's like you said, what is yeah. it? What's the thing? We rig it as much as we can, but they have to make the choice. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And every single thing in that film speaks to that. Like, in terms of, you know, film theory of, of theming, Mm-hmm. and really sticking to your theme and making it resonant through every character action and then dealing with that and that's the tragedy comedy stuff like the theming in this film is really really cool it's about choice right mm-hmm. but the only person that has the choice is, is shaggy <laughs> the shaggy analog yeah and why because so, so drugs are cool man so they were essentially it was that surely that was a nod to scooby-doo at the beginning oh totally it very much it, felt like it yeah okay. you got the red head you got like, yeah the blonde and the, the wagon the yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just missing the Scooby Snacks. They were just one talking dog away from yeah. from covering the whole gamut. Well, there was a wolf. Oh yeah, she made out with, which probably wasn't too far from some of the episodes of Scooby Doo. Yeah, yeah. It just took them. It's it's actually a guy in there, just with his yeah. tongue sticking out. <laughs> Old man McGregor. <laughs> and I would have gotten away with it too. <laughs> but yeah, Drew Goddard has gone on to do some other bits and pieces as well. But yeah. I think. Like you said, this this was shot and then it was shelved for quite a while. Mm. Um, interestingly, I saw it at the cinema here, and that was thanks to one Robert Woods. Yes. Uh, so. Before we move on to the trivia, we should touch mm. on that uh, when this film was being distributed, mm. after a couple of years of not being distributed, mm. um, it there was a plan for it to be shown here in Australia, and then that plan was changed, and it wasn't going to happen. No, it got a very got a limited release in the US. Mm. They obviously thought that this is the sort of film that will will sell on DVD. You know, it, it is very cult like yeah. in what it's doing. But yeah, they, they canned it completely, and then Robert Woods, big hoo ha, kicked up Robert a fuss, Woods, kicked up a big old fuss, and made sure we all kicked up a fuss <laughs> with him as well. And yeah, it got the distributors' attentions, and mm-hmm. they put it on limited release. And we saw it here at Luna, mm-hmm. and it was a packed house. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like those kinds of things, you can. Sometimes you're like, yeah, we're going to petition to get this film in there. Oh, it wasn't one of those moments where people clapped in a cinema. No, but I can tell you, seeing that movie in a cinema full of people that were keen for it was fantastic. Yeah, but I just hate when people clap at the end of a movie at the cinema. No, but they can hear you through the screen. No, they can't. They can. It's just like sports. There's no point yelling at it. They can't hear What are your feelings on screenings from like the National (laughs) Theatre, which Luna do here as well? Because people traditionally... What does that mean? So like you know, front you know, of the stage shows, like yeah. Frankenstein and you know, like a play. Macbeth yeah, you know how you clap at the end of a play usually because it's good. But yeah, because there's good. people on there that can actually yeah. hear you clapping. <laughs> well, have you been to a live screening of a play from somewhere else in the world? The National Theatre do a lot of them. So National. Theater, so it's actually happening live. Mm. It may not be happening live. It may be a recording. But, but okay. it's been recorded live, just like a film. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Is it, would would you clap no. for a recording of a play? No. Okay. Hey, because there's nobody it, there. It, what would you clap for? I wouldn't clap for nothing. I was in a situation in somewhere right. where we were watching a documentary. Yeah. And the guy who made the documentary was there. Mm-hmm. People clapped. You know did why? Because he, he was there. Did he start the clap? That's the key. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> he but that doesn't matter. He was like, "Yes, come on, guys. Oh, oh wow, wow. <laughs> good." 
But you know, maybe a, like a, an opening of a movie if the cast are there or like the yeah. people that have made it are there. So they can yeah. actually hear your appreciation. Well, yeah. I yeah. just Some think... people just want to express their feelings and their joy. You know where I saw it that made me cringe the most <laughs> was the, the midnight premieres for The Force Awakens and Last Jedi. And people clapped. Yeah. Yeah, why? But like, like Stephen said, it's because they're so excited. They've got nothing. They don't know what else to do. They're connected. I think they're, they're connected. They're, 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 they've made a connection. Yeah. And whether or not that's been reciprocated or not, yeah. That almost doesn't matter. It's this, this thing case. called feelings. Yeah, I don't have um, those. I know, and it's, I know. It's, this but, makes it awkward. But, but that, I guess it, it just reminds me of people that watch and yell at TV while, they're, while sport's on. That's a TV show that's really successful. Mm. What, sports? No, Gogglebox. <laughs> oh. Watching people watch TV mm. is yeah. zero budget for yeah. massive profit returns. Well, no, there's electricity involved. TV's not free, you know. Oh, it is here. If it's in the UK, they have to do the TV. That's true, but we're not in the UK. Are we, Steven? So whose electricity are you stealing? Leave. Huh? (laughs) Whose electricity are you stealing? Oh, just whoever I can get a hold of. There's an extension cable from next door. (laughs) Might be. (laughs) He said it was okay. Don't worry about it. He's got solar panels. Don't worry about it. It comes from the sun. The sun's free. While I I remember, go look at some interviews from Drew Goddard, who I love his work. Don't tell me what to do. But every time he talks, it sounds like at the end of his sentence, someone grabs his balls. I'm serious. Go listen to him. He's like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's amazing. I love the man and he's great. But I think about that every time I hear him talk. I, it might be a speech impediment, so I feel bad. But it's just, maybe someone is. You don't know. You don't maybe, know what he's into. He's got that kind. He's got the cabin in the woods move money now. Yeah, he can do what he wants. He can just have a ball scrapper at any time. Yeah. I he have did. got an interview Sorry. with Drew Goddard here. <laughs> do it. Um, I just, I just, I don't know if he's going to do it. He's talking about bad times at the El Royale, that, which is, is another it, is it, is amazing. About... Hang on, bad times at El, El Royale again. Mm. Thor, Thor's Drew Goddard, yeah. amazing theming, fantastic character. As you okay. say, bad guys at the El Royale. Well, let's bad find out. This is uh, this is from uh, an interview he did if with up, ComingSoon.net. If you look up the Cabin in the Woods interviews, there's definitely okay. Once uh, at the same time. And trouble ensues. <laughs> um, the motel is That's so true, iconic, you know, for what it is. Like, how did you go about deciding on the look of it? Yeah, it's a, it's a sort of organic process between me and my production designer, Martin Wist. We just sort of start with looking at old photos and and playing with our imaginations. It's really, it's like children. He <laughs> does. <laughs> He sounds as though he's in great discomfort. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it's someone there just going, and finish a sentence and squeeze. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, Drew. so much content in this podcast. Oh, yes. <laughs> what are you trying to say? I'm not? Yeah, I talk about much. sports. Yeah, you said you were like clapping. That's not right. <laughs> uh, um, <clears throat> hey, Steve, this yeah. is for you in the future when you're editing. Yeah. I'm not even sorry. <laughs> I, I, I can tell That's A-OK Don't even edit it Why would you even Put bother? this out raw Yeah how long has it been Raw Halloween uh, Disappointingly We're not even at an hour yet Yeah so, so. we're fine yeah, we Let's call time. it a day Thank you very much Yeah You've been listening to Cinema Catch Up Club I've been Stephen Platt And your guest Michael DeGrasse I'm Matt Berry <laughs> <laughs> Oh yes I'm Matt Berry <laughs> Fuck off <laughs> Would you guys like some trivia about yes. Cabin in the Woods? Are you saying I don't oh, know yeah. all the trivia already? Well, actually, you may do. Okay. But uh, let's, no, let's find out. You don't. Oh, no. I, wh- I know all about this movie. I know so about cabins. I know. I know about woods. Hit me. All right. 
During the lake scene, the only student to not jump in the lake is Marty. He remains fully clothed on the dock. This is partly due to Fran Kranz, the actor, noticeably being as good, if not in better shape, than the other males. He is ripped. (laughs) In fact, uh, the writers joke that he was, quote, ripped like muscular Jesus, end Mm -hmm. quote, and assert that if Marty was shown being that fit, it would ruin the character. That's also partly why he wears baggier clothes than the other characters. Yeah. He he was in Buffy. Again, there's a lot of... Buff. Buff, exactly. There's a lot of Joss Whedon regulars in there. There's um, the names of the people. Ah, oh, she was an angel. Fred. Fred Angel. That. Fred Angel. <laughs> no, no. The Fred Angel, the mind and guy. Yeah, so the intern, he's another Joss Whedon regular. Mm. Um, yeah, Frank Kranz was in it as well. Uh, I think that's it. But yeah, there's, they're always in the films. And I guess Hemsworth. That totally sounded like you said there's steroids in the films. Yeah. I mean, Did you not be. see Chris Hemsworth? <laughs> that's mm-hmm. an HGH if I haven't seen him. Hey, here's some more trivia. Hey, uh, the thermal coffee mug slash bong uh, was a fully functional mug and bong as portrayed in the film. It cost $5,000 to make the prototype. Whoa. So they made it for that movie. Yep. And it worked as both a mug and And a bong. The genius of the the pipe coming off and clicking on as the handle. Oh, Hmm. engineering genius. It was very well designed. Mm. Um, And I was like, that's, yeah, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was really funny when he was using it while he was driving in that very first scene where we see them. Just, yeah, yeah sets Again, it up perfectly. Character theming. He's high the whole time, mm. which makes him immune. When Jules kisses the wolf head on the wall, the wolf's tongue is covered in powdered dust to give it a dusty look and to make the scene tolerable for Anna Hutchinson. Because that was a nasty looking wolf head that she was pretty much macking out on. Did you say powdered sugar? Uh, powdered sugar is what is written here. Yeah, powdered Wait, sugar. I didn't hear you say powdered sugar, though. What no, did you say? Powder. powder. Powdered dust? Yeah, you said powdered dust. Dust something. Oh, well, uh, I mean, I can check the tape, but I don't want to. So, <laughs> <laughs> During production, MGM saw the dailies uh, of a scene where Chris Hemsworth instructs his friends. On the basis of that performance, they signed him on for Red Dawn. Uh, two days later, Hemsworth was also chosen as the lead in Thor. Two films which have boasted the test of time, I'm sure. Oh, uh, Red Dawn was amazing. Mm. Wolverines! Both Red Dawn and The Cabin in the Woods would eventually be delayed for several years when MGM went bankrupt and were finally released a year after Thor. So, Which worked because it capitalised on the success of Thor. Hmm. But, interestingly, like, like, first Thor, Kenneth Branagh, Shakespearean, didn't work that well. If you now look at where Thor got to with Taika Waititi and, and Thor Ragnarok and that, that like whole injection, mm. you look at Cabin in the Woods and all of it's there. That comedic acting mm. and the ridiculous gravitas and that bravado, it's all there. Whereas the first two Thor films, they were so heavily criticized for being like, he's really stiff and kind of boring. Uh, Fran Kranz received extensive prop and behavior training in order to capture the stoner persona of Marty. Uh, he received a two-hour joint rolling session and a separate bong lighting session from expert consultants. In addition to the famous travel mug bong, uh, a number of more subtle marijuana paraphernalia appear in the film, including his stash, his secret stash, a smaller pipe, a tulip joint, and a joint kept in a pocket of his pants. The prop crew even designed the film's own brand of rolling papers, Smiling Buddha. Wow, that's pretty good. He does roll it really well in the van Yeah, scene. they've gone, oh, we need some professionals. Some guys like... Hey man, <laughs> do you want me to show you how to do it? Funny enough, I, the first feature film I worked on in Cameron Department was a road trip movie about going from Perth to Kalgoorlie smoking 178 joints. 
So there was an entire department in props that was just rolled joints. It was it was that you know weird fake yeah tobacco. I yeah, I think you've shown me that stuff for some reason. Or you maybe you came in. How long ago was that? Oh, years less than five ago. years ago. No, long time ago. I swear, I remember you coming in, showing me a bag of this stuff. We still have it. Yeah, my wife and I, she's still got a bag of it, and it's yeah. the fake. It's 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 whatever. Anyway, if someone doesn't smoke on set and they're smoking, it's this herbal. Mm. cigarette stuff uh, the film's release date was postponed because the studio mm. wanted to convert it into 3D uh, yeah. despite objections from Whedon and Goddard literally uh, every person involved went no because that was post-conversion 3D so which is always terrible yeah no no there was post-conversions done when it was the big thing mm. and it was always terrible because it you're was. working with information that is not there yeah yeah, that yeah. didn't need to be 3D. Nope, no, nope, absolutely not. I was not sitting there going, gee, I wish I was more immersed by having this look worth. I'm yeah. really missing a dimension here. Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, the indiscernible signs that Tom Lenk holds up on the monitor were intended to be visible, <laughs> and they read, help me, I'm in the utility closet. A dragon bat has my scent. I'm Ronald the intern. Uh, Drew Goddard attempted to zoom in and make them readable to the audience, but it wasn't possible. No. I did notice that you on the screen, so I was like, yeah, "That's oh. so good." Mm. But there's just on on those attack screens, like all those different things happening. Ah, it's worth a rewatch to go through. Get, oh, get the Blu-ray yeah. copy, so it's really high res and go through. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heather Langenkamp, who was Nancy in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, serves as one of the members of the makeup crew that created different nightmare creatures for this film. Oh. Her husband is also an SFX artist. Oh wow! But yeah, so Full circle. Fun, fun little connection there. Did yeah. the special effects on Elm Street? Is that Rick Baker? Well, I don't know. Can you can you find out and I wait here? No. Oh god! If only we had some kind of device connected to the sum total of human knowledge. Oh, anyway, we'll just have to move on, not knowing. <laughs> we will never know. <laughs> and, and that's the end of that. <laughs> and uh, finally, what do you think the body count of this film is? The Ooh. on-screen deaths that we see. Three hundred uh, something. I'm gonna go with 189. And you're going with three twenty something like that. It's actually a lot less. Oh really? It's below a hundred. Oh. It is the entirely mature number of sixty-nine. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was one twenty off, and if you think about that, it was only three hundred <coughs> less than four twenty, which is a real stoner term, which suits the movie. Nice, nice, nice. Oh, you were right on it. Right on it. Right so on sixty-nine four twenty. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So, uh, all that remains is for us to score the film. Uh, so, Michael, this was your first time watching it. What would you give The Cabin in the Woods out of 10? Yeah, I'm going to, um, like, you know how I am. I don't just vote. I don't just give no. you an answer. Mm. How it's, many? Are you going to just clap it out? No, I'm not going to clap, clap it out. out. No, I'm going to, I'll give it 10 mermen out of 10. Nice. Mm. Nice. I stole yours. You're going to use Mermen, weren't you? Uh, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself, uh, Brett? Um, I'm going to give it 69 gruesome deaths out of 10. Because not... in all honesty, it would be approaching 40-something times that I've seen this film. Mm. So it's, just, it's, it's, it's a 10 out of 10. That's, yeah, that's it's how just, I'd rate no, it. No, it's a 69 well. out of 10. That really messes with the scoring system. That's, that's how, I, that's how I'd rate it as well. 100%. It's, it's like... Mm. 69 out of 420. Okay. Yeah, you've that's, got, it's you've quite got, low. Well, it's pretty low, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, as in like, right, I'd, do it, I'd, I'd say 10 because I'd watch that again right now. Yeah, uh, it is one of those films that is almost perfect, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If not perfect. I, I, You can probably find some minor quibbles in some continuity stuff, mm. but the payoffs that come from the setup and the setup that comes from the theming 
and how strong and consistent that is is it's a masterclass in film in genre filmmaking mm. really embracing the genre of horror yeah. laid over whatever short of the dead is another example of that yeah where it's about friendship and it's about family yeah and there happens fun. to be zombies yeah yeah um for, for me I, this was really enjoyable um I, I i think i could probably yeah jump right back into this and, and watch it again um i would i don't think it's quite a perfect film for me mm. but i'm not sure what it would need i, I i'd, I'd mm. need to maybe reflect on it but my gut instinct is that it's not it's not quite a 10 out of 10 does it's, it need john candy and martin it does short. need john candy yeah, and with, martin short it needs the jacket size I'll, gag i mean i'll be honest it didn't have the jacket joke so for that i'm gonna give it nine and a half um husband bulges out of, <laughs> <laughs> out of 10 <laughs> Yes. Uh, so, Michael and Brett, thank you very much for joining me on this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Thank you Club. very much. Thank you. And again, we are not sorry for this edit. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you listening at home, uh, you'll be hearing a much shorter version <laughs> of what took place tonight. Uh, if you want to hear some of the bonus additional material, uh, you'll be able to hear that and much more over at our Patreon. If you go to patreon.com forward slash podcast, we you know, put up some bonus things here and there. Uh, one of those bonus things is uh, a series that we do called The Cutting Room Floor, which is where stuff that doesn't make it into the final episodes is put together in a fun episode. And you will hear these two on the next episode a fair bit. Did I tell you about when I was in Punxsutawney? Uh, we are also available on Facebook and other social media. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there. And of course, a Big thank you to all of you who voted for this film over the myriad other horror films. Uh, this was a film selected by you. Uh, join up on Facebook because you get to vote over there. And of course, make sure you're subscribed so you can hear an episode each and every week. Uh, that's all. So until next time, goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Stephen B. Platt. Happy birthday.